You ready, Nate? This is a big deal. This is the biggest moment of your life. After today's episode, remember to find five minutes in your day to listen to someone else's story. You'll certainly be surprised how interesting the people around you are. Today on My Wax Museum, I am joined by my friend Nate Wilkes. Nate's got a story based on the foundation of his family. He shared with me about his relationship with his younger brother, as well as who in his life he has found to be his mentors. Nate shares some great advice on self-improvement and growth, so I'm looking forward to sharing this conversation with you today. Welcome to My Wax Museum, my podcast that I've told you so much about, Yeah, and, uh, and that you were very willing to come on. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how we know each other? Where do we know each other from? All right, all right. Well, first, thank you for letting me be on your podcast. I think it's the coolest thing ever. So thank you so much. I'm glad you think so. Yeah, yeah. No, super fun. Um, But we know each other. We we met at the beginning of this semester. Uh, We're in Rexburg right now at Mm -hmm. BYU-Idaho. And we met in um, the Science Foundations class with our professor, Brother Griffiths. Who is phenomenal. 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 Yeah, yeah. Like... In, in the weirdest way that you love him for it. So. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of fun because I think the way that we know each other best is from our political conversations yeah, that have been sparked by our by, science class. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and we always get into a good political discussion after class, which I always enjoy. Yeah, me too, me too. Uh, like, very... Fr- <laughs> that was loud, whoops. Our very, very first one, right? Just going straight into class, meeting. Oh, hey, introducing. You're from Canada. I'm from Idaho. And, yeah. you know, it just launches into this discussion ranging all around things from, you know, my fascin- fascination with your health care and yeah. then what, what's going on with American politics. So, yeah, that was really kind of our kickstart right there. Yeah, totally, totally. And, uh, yeah, we've had a lot of good conversations since then around that so um why don't why don't you tell us where you're from you said you're from idaho yes and whereabouts so the capital of idaho is boise half an hour outside of boise that's okay it's nampa okay so it's it's a bigger town for being in idaho yeah that's doesn't mean it's huge but it's one of it's one of the bigger places in idaho and um, born raised there been there my entire life um, absolutely love it. Love it here in Idaho. Love the, love the people, love the culture mm-hmm. most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so growing up in Nampa, uh, you said it's a bigger town for Idaho. How big is that? Oh, oh goodness. I'm so terrible with remembering the numbers. I'd, I'd have to look. You it can up. give a guess. Is it like kind of big, kind of small? Like, is it it's it's one of the bigger ones in Idaho. It's one of the biggest cities in Idaho. Okay, so bigger than Rexburg? Well, yeah, much bigger than Rexburg. <laughs> much bigger than Rexburg. Much bigger than Rexburg. It's it's bigger than Idaho Falls, which is okay. There. Um, gosh, people count numbers. I don't even I don't even know. I don't even have but a slide. Decent size. Decent size. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> so what is there to do there? What did you get up to growing up? Um, you know, I spent a lot of uh, my time growing up. Um, Spending time with my siblings. Okay. We, we loved um, going outside. Um, being when I was very young, we we would go out into the backyard and we would mess around in the dirt. You know, play around, um, 
build things, dig holes, get stuck on the swing set, you know, all those, mm-hmm. all those fun things as kids. Um, that was, that was early on. And then later with school and everything, um, for me, it was, it was a lot about the social interactions with my friends that lived in Nampa and, and the adjacent, um, towns and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as things to do in Nampa, um, well, maybe from some perspective, not too much. Yeah, it's just kind of, you, you found most of your enjoyment from spending time with your siblings and, and friends, not yeah. necessarily from, you know, the the activities that there were provided for you there. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and, there's odds and ends, but you have to you have to look a little bit farther, I think. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, in your family, then, where do you fall, uh, sibling-wise? So I'm the I'm the middle child. Mm-hmm. I'm in a family of seven: my mother and my father, and then I have an older sister. I have an older brother, and I have a younger brother and a younger sister. Okay. So that puts me right in the middle of that. Um, I like to say that. You know, I can empathize with anyone about their sibling situation because I know I know about the, you know, having the older siblings and they're like a jerk and commanding over you. And then you have the younger siblings and they're so annoying and whiny and everything. I'm just like, man, I so relate. I, I get it. I get it. You get every perspective being the middle child. Yeah. Is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. That's, that's what I claim anyway. You you claim it. Might not be true. No, no. But not. That, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Um, so... So your older siblings, uh, who would you say you got along best with? Your older siblings or your younger siblings? Um, well, I can tell you who I didn't get along. I got along with the least. Sure, yeah. That that was my little brother. Yeah. Everybody else was mostly pretty easy. I mean, yeah. my older brother was kind of hard. Yeah. You know, it's the you're right next to them kind of thing. You're the closest in the age to them, and that creates that friction, but... Especially my younger brother, we would, we would clash a whole lot, get into a lot of fights. Um, probably threw some punches I shouldn't have. Really, thrown some things I shouldn't have. He did plenty of awful things to me too. Thankfully, we are the best of friends now. So, so how how did you how did you work through that then? Because it can be, I mean, sibling relationships are tough regardless, yeah. mm-hmm. and. And it can be hard to maintain and really feel like you have a decent relationship. But if if you were so, you know, uh, so frequently frustrated with each other, and then how did you become best of friends? You know, I think the um, the biggest thing we had going for us is that um, we had a big foundation of um, positive experiences together. Hmm. Um, I grew up in a um, a really close family-oriented home. That's that's why most of my childhood was spent with my siblings. And, you know, for all the negative things that happened as we got in fights with each other, as we disagreed on things, um, still the majority of it was built around us having fun together, us being with our other family members, us um, learning about each other, us going on activities together, all these things. There was a very deep foundation of that. And um, there was uh, there was an overarching philosophy in my home about you know love and respecting each of the family members. They're mm-hmm. they're um, so valuable to you. And just as we grew older, and you know you can kind of shed off some of the more petty things. Yeah. And you don't have to be in such close proximity all the time. 
that really helped our relationship just which I'll admit it was already a good relationship and in that it, from there it just blossomed into a great relationship hmm. so how much how much younger is he than you he's two years younger than two me. years younger okay mm-hmm. so um, I have a little brother who's three years younger than me so I can kind of relate to mm-hmm. how that relationship might might work out um, and so so you credit that that foundation of uh, of you know family being the priority in your life growing up, uh, and and I'm assuming it was your parents who instilled that in you, um, and who who taught you that. What sort of things, what sort of things did they do to teach you how important your siblings were, regardless of how well you might get along with them at any given time? Um, you know, watching them and their priorities. Mm-hmm what they did and how they taught us to act. Um, my, my mother, um, she chose to be a stay-at-home mom. Hmm. She, she was educated. She, she got a degree in education. She chose to be a stay-at-home mom. That was her choice. So she was there, and she, she personally raised each of us. Um, which showed her commitment to us, her her idea of how valuable we were. My dad, he he um, has a career in technology, hmm. and he always made sure, even though he was um, he was very busy moving forward his career, he would always be willing to put things down to spend time with his family. It's that order of priorities. It's that order of they're saying. Um, it's time to come together and be a family now. It's time to come together on a Monday evening and spend time together and mm-hmm. talk about beliefs, talk about religion, to talk about how we love each other. It's time um, to have a family dinner together. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Everybody's going to be poking at each other and they're all going to be screaming and yelling. But we're going to do it anyway mm-hmm. because it's going to be worth it in the long run. And they firmly believed that and they were right because we we stand where we are today just so closely knit we i trust every single one of my siblings with my life with everything i have hmm. no problem that's really impressive to me um that you know cuz i i think a lot of the time uh, we might be prone to oh well they don't want to do it anyways so why would we why would we bother trying but obviously like you said, in the long run, that's had such an impact on you, right? Yeah. It's only because of that example that you've been able to look back and say with appreciation, you know, thank you for building that foundation because you realize how much better off you are now because of it. And so growing up, did you often feel like, no, I don't want to go to family home evening on Monday nights? No, I don't want to go to family dinner, you know? Did you feel like that very often? Uh, at different points, yeah, more or less. Um, maybe, maybe most of the time, it was mostly me not being unwilling to be present as much, just to be unwilling to contribute. Hmm. Um, wanting to be when I was younger, wanting to go off running around being in the dirt when I was older, 
you know, rather wanting to be in my room being moody or reading or something or whatever. Um, so being there but not um, really being there mentally or emotionally kind of thing. Hmm. That That's where I resisted it the most. Yeah, yeah. You kind of, You had other things that you thought might be priorities for you that you might enjoy more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so when... When did you find there was a turning point for you in that? Like, was it was there a moment where you just kind of realized, huh, maybe this is good? Um, you know, I always thought, I don't know. My parents always told me, and you get this idea repeated to you again and again, this is a good thing, this is a good thing. And so I'm like, okay, this is a good thing. I, I get it, I get it when it sunk in had to be um a probably most heavily when i went and i served a mission um for two years for the church and um when i left them you know you have something and then you don't you don't realize how much you value it Hmm. and I, i got separated from that and I was um, terribly homesick yeah. the entire time. And um, it, I just felt like I had things so good hmm. that um, it was hard to remember the bad times because all the good times would just, would just come, to, come to the surface. And um, all, that, all that trust building, all that um, reliability, all those laughs we had together those um those shown through even when i was when i was struggling in in my assignment hmm. and so before you left on your mission did you did you think you would miss it or did you think now nah, i'm leaving i'm gonna go out have a good time see you in two years i knew i'd miss it yeah i knew i'd miss it i wasn't i wasn't a cocky about that I yeah felt, i felt you know um my roots were deep I'm a bit of a mama's boy, you know, yeah. trying trying to get cut off from that life and I know I knew it was going to hurt. Um but I never I never appreciated appreciated how much or how deep it would cut. Hmm. Yeah. And then so so that kind of hit you when you when you got out there and uh, you said that you when you had troubles in your assignment that you would go back to those good memories and those good times. Was that kind of uh, something that you held on to? Some, was it kind of a steadying thing for you to think back to those good times then? Um, yes. Yes. I I needed that sometimes because at points I didn't feel like anything was going for me. Mm-hmm. It was a very hard two years for me. Um, and um, a time of a lot of uh, doubt um, in what I was doing, in what I believed, it, um, it shaped my belief system. You know, the LDS Church, um, how I viewed my religion, how I viewed my religious practices, and um, when that was, you know, uh, I'm saying that a lot. When that was shaking, and when that was coming down, and I was trying to hold it together. I could recall back and say, there is something good, there is something 
um, founding about all of this. And that's my family. Hmm. And I couldn't forget it. It was such a prominent part of my identity. Yeah. So, so now then, um, your, your family has, you know, despite maybe you being a little bit frustrated with them at times as you were growing up, of course, as we all get, um, your family became something that steadied you through those hard times. Um, and now, now that you're moved out, you're, you're going to school, not all that far from home. What is it? Four hours? Five, five hours. Yeah. And, uh, how, how is your family still benefiting you now, now that you are completely on your own? You're away from home for probably the rest of your life. We, we stay in touch all the time. Um, so in the sense of communication, they're, um, they really haven't left at all. Um, and, and I still rely on them as examples for me Mm -hmm. when I need advice I turn to them Um, when I need comfort I turn to them as well as other people around me Um, they're an integral part of my support system their values continue to play a vital role for me the skills that my parents taught me are an extremely important part of me being here, me being independent. Uh, there was a very, there was a very big emphasis on being able to learn, having strong, specific skill sets that my dad and my mom really wanted me to have. That that's uh, making me successful here. Mm-hmm. And that's um, its core, its inner, even though I'm not physically with them. It feels very much like they're close, thanks in part to how deeply um, bound I am to them and also because of our technology that keeps us in constant contact with each other. Yeah, modern technology is a gift, especially for keeping in touch with your family. And, Absolutely. And I mean, you can you can Skype them, you can call them, you can text them any time of the day. Uh, and, yeah, just and, got a snap from my mom. Oh, really? She's in Costa Rica right now with my dad on what? vacation. I'm getting I'm getting snaps from Costa Rica right now. So maybe modern technology isn't as much of a blessing. It just encourages <laughs> jealousy. Oh yeah, I just told her that I'm like I'm so jealous. I'm out here. Yeah, um, this is like what highest temperature day is 33 degrees here, and it's yeah, it's it's getting a little chilly outside now. Cold and miserable, and they're snow just the other day. Getting a tan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No snow in Costa Rica though. Mm-mm. Dang. So, uh, you you mentioned you mentioned that your parents taught you skills. Um, what what sort of skills did they teach you growing up? What did you learn from them that's helped you be on your own now? My dad, he's um, really pragmatic. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I'm actually um, in many ways very, very similar to him. I think the same way as him. I like to approach problems the same way as he does. And um, one thing 
he wanted me to be able to do was have life skills to be able to manage yourself, manage your time, manage your priorities. And uh, frankly, I'm not always so good at that. No one ever is. No, (laughs) no. Um, I think I had a big deficiency though, but he pushed that really hard for me and helped Mm. me with that. Um, Communication. The way that you're able to talk with each other, the way that you're able to... um, well, practical things like, you know, going in for an interview for a job mm-hmm. or for resolving issues with somebody that you're, you're not communicating well with. Um, big emphasis on being able to teach. I, my parents always made sure that I was able to go up in front of people and to be able to teach something. Didn't mean that necessarily it was good. Didn't necessarily mean that I was always comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But... Um, knowing how to do it, knowing how to uh, verbally express myself was always there. And um, I guess on the more emotional side of things, they taught me, they taught me how to keep a spiritual communication with God, Hmm. keep um, a community uh, communication with those around me, and to be able to communicate with them when I was in trouble and I needed help. When, well, like I said, I'm more like my dad. I'm, I feel more pragmatic. Yeah. And then I needed mom to come over and say, hey, now now we get to the softy stuff where you talk about what's going on inside. And I'd be like, no, I don't want to. Yeah. And she'd be like, no, you have to right now. And she taught me that, so hmm. kind of got, got the contributors from both mom and dad. They, they taught me those different things. That's awesome, because, I, I mean, you, you, need, you need to learn both sides of it. Absolutely. You know, in order to, to deal with yourself and, and, uh, and progress in life. And I've seen you, I've never seen you really talk too much about your feelings. I, I mean, I, I don't think I've been a shoulder for you to cry on. <laughs> Uh, this this semester there's not many shoulders there is the way it is for yeah me. well and you know i think i mean i i think there are probably more than you would think i think you'd be surprised if you ever need a shoulder to cry on after science class you know i don't have anything <laughs> going on i'm just going home to make lunch oh, so well thank you you're, you're welcome great. so we um i mean i i see you in science class using those communication skills that you talked about uh, sharing your thoughts as a class of what 80 people were sitting in there yeah um, and, and you're able to clearly present your ideas to our professor and and share your thoughts and ask your questions so was that always easy for you was that speaking out and being able to present yourself well was that always easy for you or is it even easy now at all as long as I could remember it's been easy really yeah yeah um Maybe it hasn't always been a breeze, but talking out in front of people, that's, that's kind of been one of my things for a while, being able to hmm. express opinions. We, I guess we all kind of have our strengths and everything. My older brother, he hates speaking in front of people. Yeah. He, he despises it, but he's so much better at other things than I am. For me, I was, it's getting up. Being able to talk to people, it's always just came naturally. That's been something that you've been been good at and uh, and that you've 
been able to present yourself well. That's yes. good. That's good. I know a lot of people who would be very jealous of, <laughs> of, of that ability. But like you yeah. said, everybody else has these other skills as well. Yeah. Uh, other skills that that uh, you don't have. Yeah. Right? There's no there's no superiority. I feel over anybody else. Yeah. I, I I don't feel it at all. I I got my stuff, and I'm just like I'm lucky to have this. I, I I wish I was more like these other people, but I know I got what I got, so I'm sticking yeah, with it. Yeah, and I I'm curious. Um, this is this kind of is along the same line as some of the, I guess, philosophical questions that we talk about in our other conversations. What do you think of? Because I'd like to ask you what skills you would like to acquire and what skills you wish you had uh, that you feel you don't. But what do you think of the premise of focusing completely on what you're good at and completely ignoring what you're bad at so we i think that's that's a great philosophical question because there really is lines of thinking that go go both ways Mm -hmm. um have you ever heard of the strengths finder Yeah, yeah yeah i have the book yeah yeah so that's that's something i've looked at and um great ideas and everything i mm-hmm. think it definitely plays this wonderful role when you're talking about being able to capitalize and i would say we need to focus on our strengths to capitalize mm-hmm. we need to bring our best selves to the table especially when we're working cooperatively when we're trying to build ourselves as teams as businesses as communities as social circles we need to bring those best things forward but at the same time, I also really, really believe that we um, need a general sense of how to do things as well. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to take any number of skill sets and to be at least to be able to know and to be able to understand if i don't if i don't have an appreciation in um in some smaller field that or some big field or skill set that i'm not very interested in i know i'm missing out there's something that i don't see unless i invest some time in it Hmm. so i bring my best to the table i focus on my best but I think we would all be foolish if we completely left everything else behind. We would we would be imbalanced. Yeah, yeah. So so you like to focus on your strengths. You like to have a balance. Uh, what sort of what sort of weaknesses then uh, do you focus on? Um, I focus on some personality flaws. Yeah. I. Um, I can kind of draw attention to myself. What the heck? I draw a lot of attention to myself sometimes. Yeah. And um, I know I need to listen sometimes. Hmm. I know that other people have things to contribute. Yeah. I feel lots of times I get, I leave behind things that could be well worth my time. I miss opportunities. I'm not proactive enough in approaching ways to better myself, to better my community, to better and to contribute 
to the well-being of those I care about. Um, that's that's more personality. That's more value-based mm-hmm. that I work towards. Um, skill-based, I I hate trying to learn mathematics. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the bane of my existence during my entire grade school career. It was always hounding me. And um, that's something I've legitimately worked on and tried to become better at because as much as it pains me, I recognize its value. I see I see where it takes me, where it makes me better. Yeah, which, I mean, is the first step. I think a lot of people, especially with math, yeah, don't even recognize the value and say, this is garbage. I yeah. can't stand this. Uh, so that's really impressive. I mean, thank you for sharing um, those, those thoughts uh, with me. And um, I... I see a lot of the same personality flaws in myself. Yeah. So I'm on the same wavelength. And I mean, and then you added math in there and I just thought, like, yep, right there. <laughs> you got me. You got me. Uh, so how, how do you, how do you work on those things then? Because we, we tend to say to ourselves as humans in general, we, we tend to go along with the train of thought that it's just who I am. Do you believe that's just who you are? Absolutely not. So how do you improve it? How do you change it? The most effective way I've found to be able to work on those areas is to be able to find a mentor, Mm -hmm. somebody who's willing to invest in you and to be able to challenge you. If somebody's willing to take a risk on you and hope to see improvement of you, if they give their own time, if they give their own love and commitment to you to try to make you better, mm-hmm. I've never had a, a greater motivating factor when somebody I admire or look up to takes the time to, for me, they don't view it this way, but for me to take a step down off of where they're higher up and to say, hey, let me help you up a little bit. Hmm. And then, I don't know, Afraid isn't the right word to describe disappointing them. Yeah. But there's there's nothing that I more like to avoid than disappointing those that treat me that way, that invest in me like that. Huh. So seeking out mentors. Yeah. Um I like that. That's uh I like that mindset because I think a lot of the time we you know, we we set goals and we, we set all these things and these expectations for ourselves, but you're, you're right. Um, in the thought that, you know, bring somebody into your life, who's going to invest in you and who you want to, uh, see them be pleased with you. So who, who have been some people in your life who you've had kind of mentor you and take that time out, whether formally or informally, whether they know it or not. So the primary ones are my parents. Mm-hmm. I I know I go back to that a lot, but that's your that's foundation. Straight up, that's what it is. Yeah, my parents, um, and I also see God, Jesus, actually is my most important. Mm-hmm. My Father in heaven, Jesus Christ is my most important mentors. Then I've seen um, a lot of religious leaders for me, um, bishops. State presidents, 
people that I go out on church assignments with, people who worked with me um, as part of my youth groups, those have been pivotal to me um, on my mission again. Mm-hmm. My religious leader on my mission, my mission president, he, he was one of the, he still is one of the most incredible men I know. And he, to me, when I think about mentor, when I think about the epitome of being a mentor, what that looks like, I think about Warren G. Tate because he, he would, he would literally, he's a taller guy than me, but mm-hmm. we would sit down and when we would talk, he would literally sit down and he would lean over so he was on my level. Mm. And he would say, he would talk to me. He was just like, okay, Wilkes, what do we need to work on? How are you doing? How can I help you? How can you succeed here? And we'd have this conversation. And then he's just like, I love you. I believe in you. Go out, do great work. I know you're going to succeed. Hmm. He would send you off on that way. And I swear, every time I'd talk to the guy, I'd spend some private time with him. I'd walk away smiling. I'd walk away feeling empowered. Those are the kind of people that I want to surround myself with is people who make me feel empowered and hopefully at the same time maybe if I'm becoming more like them I'm empowering others around me as well. Hmm. So it's it's um learning from your mentors and then uh finding ways to pass it along. Absolutely. And repay that that kindness and that almost training. Um whether formal or otherwise. So uh, some specific things, I'm curious, uh, what were some more specific things that your mission president taught you uh, that have helped you improve? He taught me um, that I have a capacity for loving everyone around me. Hmm. He... One time he, we were, we had a guy who was going to come and speak to all the missionaries, kind of a seminar kind of thing. Yeah. And the guy, um, if you've ever seen Forever Strong. Um, no. No. Good no, one. I no. recommend yeah. it. Anyway, the coach on Forever Strong, his name was Coach Galwicks. It was, um, this was Coach Galwicks. He was coming to tell us about um, life, you know, give his rundown philosophy. And he asked, he asked for a, um, a recommendation from my mission president for somebody who could come and be up there with him. Hmm. And he said, I want you to give me one of your best missionaries. So very humbling for me, for my mission president to think, oh, other Wilkes, um, Please come over and talk to this guy. And he introduces me to this, this amazing man, mm-hmm. Coach Gelwicks. And he says, Brother Gelwicks, this is Other Wilkes. He's an incredible teacher. And he loves all of the missionaries. All of them. Hmm. And I never thought that to myself before. But when he said it, And he took the time to point out and say, this is one of your strengths. Capitalize on it. It goes back to like the strengths things. Yeah. It opened my eyes and it opened a world for me to say, 
you know what? He's right. Hmm. I can love these people around me. I do have that capacity. I do it naturally. And now that I'm aware of it, because he's made me aware of it, I can do it even more. And that became a defining theme for me while on my mission and then coming off of it. I feel that I should be capable of caring about any individual that crosses my path. Now, do I consciously think about that? Do I always succeed? No, but I know I'm capable of it. And I know that other people are as well if they embrace that. Some people, it comes more naturally. Hmm. But he taught me that and he opened my eyes to that. He also taught me a lot of practical skills as well, things relating, related to administration, to speaking, to um, planning and all of that. But I'd have to say that that one is the one that stood out to me. It's helping me recognize a strength that I didn't know I had so I could become more. Hmm. I like that thought that um, maybe when you're you're good at something, uh, once you realize that you're good at it, you might become better at it because you realize it's something that you have and you start acknowledging it more and maybe putting more effort into that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did you ever did you ever really believe that you were great at something until somebody else acknowledged you? and said, you're doing wonderfully at this. You have a talent. You should go out and be more with this. I think that we all will need some self-validation. Mm-hmm. Um, I sing. That's something I do for fun. I'm not the best singer out there. Mm-hmm. I'm not making a career out of it. I don't go out and perform solos for people. Mm-hmm. But... For me, when I started singing, and I was extremely sensitive about how I sounded like, whether people were judging me, it was those people who said, you know what, your voice is good. I like listening to you. That was my self-validation there. Mm -hmm. And you probably have similar experiences where maybe something like this podcast, did people tell you this is something that you're good at, about asking questions, about being able to create this... um, this picture of people and what they're like. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm sure somebody yeah. was able to open that up for you. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it has been an interesting thing doing this podcast because uh, one thing that you talked about as being one of your weaknesses about being the one who maybe doesn't listen very much. Yeah. That's one of my weaknesses. Oh, yeah. That's one of the things that I related to you on. And that's that was one of the primary reasons I started the podcast oh. is because I wanted to change that, right? Um, and so, so that's been an interesting way that I've sought to, to change myself. Um, and, and it has been true that as I've gone through it and people have shared that with me that, Hey, you know, you're, you're good at asking questions. I've thought, wow, I guess it's working. Yeah. You know, I'm starting to figure it out. You should feel this self-validation about this. You're good at this. I appreciate that. And, um, and, and yeah, I, I really appreciate you sharing that with me. And I totally agree that when you, when you become validated by other people, it's not that you needed the validation always, you know, you, you still might just be fine, but it, it gives you that extra boost to do even better. Yes. Right. 
and and to say oh i can do this i mean i know a lot of the time after science you have your singing lab or class or group um and and if if you didn't have that validation from other people saying hey keep going with this you know would you have taken that class or would you just kind of kept it kind of more hidden i i probably wouldn't have i probably wouldn't have taken the taken the class i probably would have kept quiet yeah but there um in that respect it was loving peers and mentors mentors Mm -hmm. again who made me feel like i had something to contribute when i shared that talent so very much true you're right you're absolutely right and i i I like that i mean i had my roommate tanner uh i had him on the podcast two two weeks ago and he he sings as well i've told you about him singing um and and he shared a lot of similar thoughts to that to that uh that need for encouragement to kind of say oh you're you're good at this try this try this you know and and practice it right um so so definitely i've i've seen that in my friends i've seen that in myself and and now i'm seeing that in you as well um and how how you've you you've taken that skill and that validation and gone forward with it so who are some who are some mentors you have now who are who are teaching you um let's see my parents still of course yeah you always that i mean that's the wonderful thing about family you have that foundation yes and god mm-hmm. jesus there again yeah they're they're my constants um but here in rexburg um that's a little bit of a harder one because i don't know i'm still stepping out into a new environment i guess thinking about that maybe my mentors here are less people that have had a lot more life experience than me in terms of age or experience um, are my peers people like you people in my other classes mm-hmm. because um, since I don't I don't necessarily have any close associations with people much my senior where I've often drawn on yeah um, I'm, I'm, I'm absorbing a lot from these people around me people who are competent people who want to succeed here in a university setting everybody is trying to sharpen themselves up prepare themselves for the real world out there mm-hmm. so they're very consciously getting better mm-hmm. there there's a lack of apathy in a true learning environment hmm. and so it's very it's very easy to observe and to draw on what people can contribute and then to be inspired by that Hmm. people are more than willing to share their strengths and their views with you 
Oh, if you're willing to listen. Oh, goodness. Yeah. We're, we're tying back, just summarizing your podcast right now. Yeah, yeah. That's perfect. Um, so, I mean, I think that's interesting that you've, I mean, that you mentioned um, the lack of apathy that you find in a true learning environment, how you get this abnormal increase in people improving. And what you said was, I think you said conscious, conscious improvement, being aware um, and, and really putting in an aware effort uh, without, you know, you're not just getting better, you're trying to get better. Yes. Right? Um, and so do you, think, do you think being at university has increased the rate at which you are getting better? Absolutely. Absolutely. Ooh, I see this as a good environment. I, mm-hmm. I'm pegging this as one of those environments. And in that respect, I am thriving here. I'm doing wonderfully at being able to consciously take what I know or what I didn't know and to build on that. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and, and to grow and change. So what's the, I mean, you've only been here for what is it? Seven, eight weeks now. Yeah. A couple months ish. And, uh, and so what has it been that has, that has been the biggest change for you and in you since, since being here at school? Um, the, the realization, well, not even the realization, but the motivation to begin to put myself out there. Anybody who spends enough time with me knows I have a lot of opinions and I have a lot of things to say. You know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I appreciate really it. Really well. Yeah. 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 But, um, for most of my life, I've kept that mostly my private thing Hmm. I discuss it internally with myself and I discuss it with a few select people but I'm starting to get to the point where I realize for um, for my satisfaction for being able to help um, broaden educate other people's perspectives and to be able to be successful in this world I need to I need to stop holding back what I've been learning what I've been accumulating Hmm. I I want to find my media I want to find my venue and I want to find my message and I want to share my voice because people out there I think and I feel pretty humble about this again but I think I have something to contribute something something to talk to them about Mm -hmm. to be able to show what I'm learning, what I have been learning, and maybe maybe open up their eyes just a little bit more. Yeah, I um, I I like that. I think I think uh, having open and honest discussions with people is hugely important. I know a lot of people who do the same thing. They keep their opinions to themselves. I mean, I I tend to do that a lot. Um, and, and so what, how do I, 
how do I, how do I phrase this? I have a question that's, that's forming here. You have your opinions and your beliefs, uh, and you, you talk about finding your medium uh, for sharing that and for communicating that and teaching that. How do you see how do you see that happening in the future where you are sharing it? Like right now, your your vision, your idea for how you might educate, how you might benefit, how you might share and and I imagine learn yourself through through whatever experience. How do you envision that happening? So what I've been envisioning and what I've been starting to do is to, well, one of the big ones is to build up a, um, an online presence. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always resisted getting an Instagram, mm-hmm. but, you know, I, I study marketing. If you study marketing and you want to go in being a modern type, Mm-hmm. educated person I guess if you want to do that you need to know online mm-hmm. so I've made an Instagram very good I have been um, building my LinkedIn account um, and those are just those are like online things I'm also choosing to participate in um I joined uh, a club about my major marketing. I am looking at taking classes that help me push that frontier. I've done blogs before. Mm-hmm. I didn't go very far with those. I see that as something for my future, maybe mm-hmm. blogging. Um, I thought a lot about a podcast, actually. I recommend it. Oh, <laughs> oh great. That's another star right next to that idea. So those are a few of those things where I want to start broadening and being able to put myself out there. And it's a it's a start. I don't know where it will really go or what it will look like. Mm-hmm. But I know I'm going to start doing that. I know I'm going to start being able to express that better. Hmm. I, I think that's good that... Um the way you see it happening seems to largely be through you further your furthering your education and understanding of what you're trying to do uh i mean you you're not just uh throwing out some big goal some big dream or something you're you're saying well i'm learning marketing and i'm learning this and i'm learning how to do this and i i think this might be good this you know uh you have a very smart and analytical mind um, I, and I can tell that from our conversations and our conversation here. Um, so I look forward to seeing whatever medium it's translated into, um, and, and how that goes, uh, kind of wrapping up here though, um, with, with your, your life and your future, I can tell from talking to you that family is always going to be that priority, that that uh, love of God and love of family is always going to be the priority. Um, So going forward in your life, 
where where do you see yourself in 60 years you're 21 22 22 yeah. 22 so 82 years old what's 82 year old nate gonna look like <laughs> other than wrinkly and gray hair um i guess i hope i look like somebody who has done some good work mm-hmm. i hope by the time i'm 82 i have a legacy and that legacy is going to be composed of what I've been able to do professionally, what I've been able to do um, spiritually, community, familial-based, um, where I've been able to contribute something good. I hope to be able to have a legacy of children mm-hmm. who, ideally, I'm going to raise them not the same but i'm going to raise them with the same ideals that my parents raised me to be able to um, face this life with optimism and a reliance on jesus christ as their savior and i hope that they're able to multiply whatever i've been able to do and go out and do it themselves and by the time I'm 82, you know, I might, I might be a little less mobile. I'm, maybe I'll be a little bit more mobile. But I hope I can derive great satisfaction from being able to make this overall positive impact hmm. that I can see um, in concrete ways and abstract ways. Hmm. I appreciate that. And uh, I, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your your hopes, your goals, your your life, your past, what you learned from your family growing up, uh, your siblings, all of that, and uh, and from your various mentors that you've had in in a few different capacities. Uh, so thanks for coming on My Wax Museum, and uh, have a have a great evening, I guess. Yeah, thank you, appreciate it. That was a great conversation I just had with my buddy Nate, and I hope you got something out of it as well. But what I hope you get more out of is the five minutes you take today to get to know somebody else, somebody who's in your life already. The people that I choose to interview are people I know, people who just seem like, hey, they might be willing to be on a podcast. And it always goes well, and I always come out of it loving that person more. So I encourage you to take that five minutes today and talk to somebody. Ask them a question about them and learn a little bit more about them. Get inspired and find a little more love for them. Thanks again for listening to My Wax Museum. As always, feedback can be sent to mywaxmuseum at gmail.com. Thanks again, and I hope you have a fantastic day.